0: Well, I have a special treat for you. A very good friend, serial entrepreneur, CEO, and founder of one of the most creative companies out there. Uh, Jason and I have been in a number of mastermind groups together, and there's really a bond that I think you're going to have, too, because he really makes a difference. And, and, And he's one of those rare individuals that's not only a great entrepreneur, but also can bring in kind of something that most of us who are a little linear or logical can't do as well. And it's it's bringing in the culture. And we're gonna talk about the power of really culture in our organizations and making a huge difference and how important it is when we screw it up along the way. So you don't want to miss this. If it's important to accelerate your success, and that's what we're all here about. I'm John Bowen, founder of AES Nation. It's all about accelerating your success. You want these lessons. Stay tuned. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep. Think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams, AESNation. I am so excited to have you here, my friend. Uh, Thank you you for taking some time out of your busy schedule.
1: Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: Well, I always think of you as a renaissance man. I know this is kind of a little scary and all that, uh, but... You know, before we get into the culture, one of the things I always love to do is to uh, get a little bit of background Uh, and you've got, you know, you and I share a love of a lot of things, uh, but and some of it you've done in your background, just give a little bit of how you got to where you are today. So, uh, well, a very long story, but my
1: my my previous life I uh, was in the wine in the wine business and uh, had a couple of wineries in California. Uh, wound up um, sold them. Wound up in with a company based in the UK where we did uh, a lot of uh, global sourcing and production for the large European grocery chains. And and through that wound up uh, with a winery in South Africa, and it was the very early days of social media. sort of 2004, it was before Twitter. It was before uh, Facebook, it was, you know, just sort of blogs and, and everybody, you know, and I, I don't know if, if, if you remember those days, but everybody was very excited about how, you know, how blogging was. <laughs> I, I'm old enough, Jason,
0: that I do remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> Great,
1: so, so, and, and, you know, back then, you know, the, the weird thing about the wine business is that, um, you've got these fabulous stories to tell and it's, 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 it's very alluring, but you know, for most brands, you don't have the, uh, the, uh, the budget to, to really um, you know to, to promote. So for us, and so so what winds up happening is that all of your promotion goes into doing things like winemaking dinners, and, uh, you know, really small activities. So when I saw blogs, I thought, wow, this is um, you know this is just a hugely valuable uh, thing for, for for a very you know, story intensive business like wine. And so we started blogging. Um, you know, f- from our South African winery, did some really interesting, interesting, you know, and and groundbreaking work. There's literally dozens and dozens of white papers and books and stuff that have been written or mentioned what we've done. But we really did the first case study on how you um, can use how you can use blogs, you know, the beginning of social media to create a global brand. And so, fast forward, one of the ways that we did that was really through this idea of linking up um, more meaning and and um, and purpose around our product, instead of just talking about wine, which for us was was, was kind of boring, right? So we want to talk about not the wine itself, but what people do with it. To make a very long story short, the folks who were who were watching blogs in the beginning of social media back then were, were, were all tech, and we, we developed a big following in the tech world. And what we had um, hooked up with a cartoonist at the time named, named Hugh McCloud, who had a website called Gaping Void. And part of what we did was a a, a global sort of uh, promotion around around sending prints to people in different parts of the world if they sponsored dinners that used our wine, and to make a very long story short, what we wound up having happened was 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 people within big companies would use these prints for dinners, but then the the effect would would would. Would um, go way past the dinner, and they would start to use these things within their businesses, and in a way, in ways that was really disruptive and really allowed them to to connect with with their coworkers and colleagues around ideas of change, right? And it sounds kind of crazy. If anybody's interested, you know, you could Google Microsoft Blue Monster. It's a great example of you know of the sort of work we did. And what we saw was that you could impact large organizations by connecting ideas to to visual tools that that really transcended any sort of form of training or traditional change that you'd see in, in organizations. And that was the beginning of what became, you know, gave me void and our, our culture design business.
0: I'll tell you, you know, Jason, I was blown away with it. And the way I met you was through Joe Polish, uh, Genius Network, right. and I'm forgetting Hugh's first book, or not first book, it was, I think his second book that Joe gave everybody in his Genius Network. and. On the flight back from Phoenix to San Jose, I you know, read it. It's a great read, and and it you know it, it's so much talked about the challenge for so many workers and so many businesses on what we're talking about today, the the culture that you know you you couldn't you knew there had to be a better way of doing things than what most people were doing and you know one of the things i want to ask you uh because and then as we've gotten to know each other you know this whole concept of culture matters and i know you know you've shared with me and i've seen you know great ag- examples of how you actually have leveraged it using your marketing ability and huge unbelievable talent as well but let's go into the culture matters part. You know, why does it matter? Why is, you know, we've got our fellow entrepreneurs here that you're hanging out with a cup of coffee, a glass of wine maybe, or uh, potentially uh, uh, even exercising. You, know, you know, why does culture matter? If I'm a CEO, I've got an owner of a business, why, why is that that big a deal? So okay, so it's a complex area, and there's
1: there's a there's a number of answers, and I'll go through them quickly. So first off, operationally, what what culture really is comprised of is a set of beliefs, you know, mindset, um, mental models uh, around how people do their work, right? And and those beliefs, right, which together creates a mindset are what informs people's behaviors moment to moment day to day in the in their organizations and it's those behaviors that give you your operational life. So for a lot of CEOs, because they don't really understand the dynamics, they think, "Oh, culture is super soft. It's uh, foosball and, and and pizza and just keeping people happy." No, the reality of it is, is that isn't it's an it is the operating system of your business. We, we we think of it in terms of it being like the operating system of your phone, right? If it's working well, if if it's if it's up to date, if 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 people are aligned around it, then everything works smoothly. But we're an operating system, and I don't know if you did an upgrade, you know, in your last the last upgrade <laughs> for your on iOS, I did, and my phone hasn't worked properly since because there's not because it wasn't designed properly. There is an alignment; it's everything's much slower, and it's that is the equivalent to culture. When you are actually aligned around beliefs, mindset, you get the right behaviors, you get the right outcomes, and you can see that act play out in many different ways. You know, or, you know, and and in very public ways over the last you know couple of years, and I'll, I'll, I'll cite a couple of examples but the other question is is around culture is is why it matters to employees right so you've got your business outcome uh, approach and and it, it is uh, and, and there's good data around it which, which we might get to but the question is why now is it mattering more to employees and that's an actually actually a really interesting question because what we've seen over the years and, and what what our research has shown is that um, people have always been very connected to um, to the work they do, right? If you if you go back to you know 100, 200, 300 years ago, um, you know work and home life were totally connected. It was all part of the same thing. If you think about the old old cities of Europe, you know if you go to Italy or France or places like Sheffield, England, you know Sheffield, England, you know once upon a time was a place where they only made cutlery, right? And the people who worked in those cutlery factories, you know, were the same people that whose kids married each other and who went they went to church together and they socialized together. And there was this complete integration of work and home life. And that's the way people always lived. And the Industrial Revolution really tried to separate out, you know, home and work because, you know, because there was there was a clearer definition between, you know, private time and work time. But what's happened over the years is that you know, people have this desire for work to become more meaningful, and you see that that play out in terms of social entrepreneurship and the way certain companies become far more popular. Because what they realize is that when you supply people with more meaning in their work, then amazing things can happen. and And our client and friends over at Zappos are great examples of that, right? They have a very straightforward kind of you know kind of business where it's it's a website, call center, warehousing, but They've added a layer I mean, of meaning and purpose yeah, to, that, to that. Yeah, it's only shoes, Jason.
0: So, that, I mean, you know, how can you make that, you know, a strong culture there? And, you know, and then we know the value of it, too, when Amazon purchased it. I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable. Sure. But, yeah, so, so how so did they do it type thing? How, how well, are they?
1: So, if you look at the human, the, this is the human condition, you know, you, 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 people crave you know meaning and purpose in their lives right and and they have to be aligned to some outcome which is bigger than them right so it, it, you know, most business by nature is very transactional right and the problem is that transactions it's hard to find meaning in transactions so the default becomes about numbers and metrics right. But what people really want to understand is how they're helping others. They want to understand what impact they're having in the world. They want to feel that they are succeeding at their chosen endeavor. It's a complex web of of very emotional things that drive engagement at work. And so when you reduce it just to metrics, right, to, to, to just numbers, what winds up happening is that. Um, that people disengage, and that's why you know Gallup has been running uh, annual engagement surveys, global surveys since 1992. And since 92, the you know the U.S. number has basically flatlined at 30% engagement. Uh, European uh, engagement at 19, and a Japanese engagement, most of Asia, is at 9%. Right? And these are staggering numbers, right? So so no one's been able to to really impact that because. What they understand engagement to be is actually a, a broken model. What people need to have is emotional connection to their work. And when we go into companies, we're looking at, okay, how is it possible to connect emotion to the business outcomes that the, the organization needs to achieve? And that is where you get magic, right? Well, that's, and that's what Zappos was doing.
0: Well, and I, I want to touch on where the magic isn't, too. And, you know, the uh, matter of fact, my wife, unfortunately, is going through some health challenges and we're in healthcare and you know, we're in Silicon Valley and I uh, even named Stanford. You know, the, uh, I just I went with her for one of the appointments and literally people were coming in crying because they couldn't get the records. They couldn't get their paperwork. The place was in disarray. You know, may have great doctors and all that, but if you don't have that, that's a real problem. And I mean, and, you know, it's a great, you know, it wasn't my responsibility. That person, you know, I'll make sure they get it. We can't do it while you're here. We're going to do it the next day. You know, nobody's solving problems and it's just the waiting room is like unbelievable. Compared to going to, you know, I mean, we can give a lot of great examples, you know, like airline. I mean, the difference between Virgin America or Alaska out here and, you know, just about everybody else, you know, there are people really want to serve you and make it a great experience. And then you just see over and over again when that's not the culture. Matter of fact, let me put up the slide, uh, Jason, that you gave me on. You know, the, let's talk about there are some great examples, Zappos being one, but you know, on the best places to work, best services and profitability. You know, tell us what we're looking at here. So, so John, I want to just address a couple of your points
1: um, okay. about about the healthcare experience. Just before we get to this, because it's very sure. aligned to it, and, and you can keep the slide up if you want. Because, so okay, so so here's here's what happens over generations of of, of cultural um, alignment around around industries, right? So, so in healthcare, what is valued is clinical excellence, right? What's valued is professionalism in delivering. Um, care from a clinical perspective and doctors and nurses for generations were taught that all that matters is you're treating a system right that that you know you need to be objective you need to be unemotional you need to just deal with the facts and you need to do your work and what winds up happening over time is that the idea of patient as customer is is you know goes away and you what you're treating is a body and not a person. And so we see that play out in the healthcare world, you know, over and over and over again where people feel um, that that as patients that they don't get the care that they really need because, because the caregiver actually doesn't care about them. They, they care about fixing their problem, but they don't care with, about them as a human. They don't care about the emotional um, challenges challenges that they're going through. And, and that's what you just described is are or these organizations that are set up to... To be transactional and not to really care about the holistic well-being of an individual, and you know, you mentioned you mentioned the airline industry, and that's a great example. So there was the huge, you know, United Airlines debacle. few, you, know, it was a year and a half ago now, or a year ago, where they they dragged that poor fellow off the uh, off a plane in order to to make a seat available to a United employee, right? So we look at that as a cultural lapse, right? And so why do we say that? Because in a world you know, in the airline world, one of the key questions is who is your customer, right? Like, do you value your customers? Are we run, just running planes as efficiently as possible? Are we do we value rules and regulations over customer well-being? Well, United demonstrated they actually don't care about their customers. They dragged a guy off the plane, really, you know, for for in, in you know, effectively for no good reason. They created a, a huge PR problem for themselves. But see, that's why culture matters more than ever. In this day and age, because everything is transparent, and things don't happen very often behind behind a curtain anymore. And you, we see that with you know with Michigan State disaster recently, Wells Fargo, Theranos, Starbucks incident a few weeks ago in Philadelphia, you know the the uh, you know Apple's iPhone slowdown on their operating system, you know where where there, that there. Was something like that was deliberate and orchestrated. Right. right. No, but, I got. You know, I bought my cheap I know battery to
0: get it, to take, you know, take care of it. But the, you know, the thing that is so amazing, and that's the point I think that's so important for all of us as business owners to really recognize is that, you know what? uh you can't get away with anything anymore i mean the 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 whole media part is so quick and you know with twitter and instagram and you know on and on and on we have of distribution you cannot control distribution you can't control pr but what you can do and that's what i want to touch on, I'm going to pull that slide back up on best places, what you can do. And some of the best firms in the world are doing is they're influencing culture and they're creating this dynamic culture in their business. And this is something all of us should be doing. Jason, tell me a little bit about this here.
1: Sure. So this slide, um, was, um, was actually created by a fellow named Len Schlesinger, who's a, a professor at Harvard Business School, an old friend and client of ours. He used to be president of Babson College, and, and uh, we did work for him at Babson. And before that, he was a COO and co-chairman of The Limited, which of course includes Victoria's Secret and, and, uh, and, and lots of other big retail brands. But so, so Len had done, done some research and shared this with us. And so, um, and basically said, look. You know that that creating a, a, a wonderful place to work and um, actually isn't just about making employees happy. It's actually about operational excellence. And he particularly looked at service industries and said 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 essentially, when you create a great place to work and when you when you're really focused on the service piece of it, what you wind up creating is a more profitable business with with dramatic differentiation from the marketplace. All right, so if you look at at um, you know, at at uh, these companies that are listed on the right side of the slide, whether it's you know, Nordstrom, Publix, Quicken, Southwest, you know, these are all industries that really stand out in you know in 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 their field because they do things differently and they have a different set of values than 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 their competitors do. So 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 while no company, no no large business can operate without a problem. You would never imagine Southwest dragging a, 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 a customer off of a, a plane and blooding their nose. It just well, wouldn't I, I start, I start
0: laughing crazy. as you say that because I just can't imagine it. We're united. It's not that hard. <laughs> exactly. So exactly.
1: So, so we, we talk about, I'll go back to it, this idea of culture as an operating system. It is. You know, we have a, a, a phrase we borrowed from our friend Seth Godin, which is this idea of people like us do things like this. This is how we do things in our organization. These are the boundaries of what's acceptable. And when you have a real sense of who you are and, and how you do what you do, then you need fewer rules and regulations. And you, 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 are, you can allow people to do their best work with, without the kinds of, of restrictions that you, you, that you must have in organizations where people don't understand those things. And, and you see it play out over and over and over again. You know, it, it's, 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 and and because of this transparency, there is significant business risk for, especially for large companies, where they do not have well-defined cultures, and 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 that is, a, it's a huge area of concern for us as we go into clients. And,
0: and, yeah, I, I think it, you know, large companies it can explode and it can be billions of dollars, but for small companies you know oftentimes it's a missed opportunity. So I want to start going into the solution, Jason. And let, let's go into your uh culture change model here. You know, how, okay. how do we so, fix this? If we don't we're not. okay no, so all all none is, of us are perfect as we both know. <laughs> type thing. Yeah, of course. So okay, so we
1: developed this um actually early this year, but it was out of some work we did with a fellow named BJ Fogg, who runs the Stanford uh, behavior design lab and and BJ's become a famous guy over the last few years especially because um, a lot of the his students have gone on to you know found things like Instagram and snapchat and and, and they did it based upon some of his behavior models and so um, so this came out so so we we had uh, collaborated with BJ last year because I, I was uh, you know my, my approach was okay when it comes to culture culture ultimately as I described earlier is about behavior and so you know what can we learn from from what he's done in behavior design so what, what what we came up with this model and the reason why you know i personally love it is is because it really simplifies the whole idea of what you need to do to execute around culture and it's 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 it's, it's it simplifies and it it, it's, it makes it all understandable so so basically there's three components to to how you affect culture change and and it's not just changing culture, it's reinforcing great culture or fixing bad culture, but you know, it's, it's, this is how you do it, right? So essentially the first, if you look at the y-axis, you know, you have this FMS. And FMS stands for Future Motivated State. So that's the idea of, of you know, why should people care? You know. It's, it's, it's the motivation that you want to bring to the, to the workplace. You know, famously in the past uh, it would be the equivalent of uh, Bill Gates as a computer on every desk, you know, a personal computer on every desk, or Elon Musk talking about going to Mars, or, or in a more social political sense you could think about Martin Luther King and a lot of the great leaders in the past. But the idea is how do you motivate people about some big outcome? That that makes them get out of bed in the morning and come to work and go, yes, I'm part of something larger, and making a difference. Okay? So you need you need to, to, to articulate that and codify it and make it clear for people. Fine. So the next the next step is, and this is the x-axis, is what we call A B, which is articulated beliefs. So the thing about articulated beliefs is, is we're all familiar with this idea of core value. Right, and core values are usually a list of five or ten things that you know that maybe live on a poster somewhere, that live on a website possibly, but you know are a list of nice, t- nice things to have, but but oftentimes and most often, you know, live somewhere that nobody can even remember what they are, right? And the idea is that that we set a core value use is part of a belief system, but what you want to do is develop a really robust system around what do you believe in as a business, and that includes how we treat each other, how we treat customers, how we deal with things like the environment, what happens when there's a problem, you know, what do we think of of being curious, you know, what are the competencies and mental models we use in the work that we do. And so eventually you might wind up with 50 or 100 or even 150 different ideas, and, and we're not suggesting that everybody needs to. To understand or to even you know to, to memorize these things, but they they together form the beliefs under which you do business, and then finally, so so you have this this motivational piece, you have this belief system, which is you can think about as an extended version of core values, and then you have what we you know the S on the on this on this uh, model, and the S represents socialization, and this is the thing that most people don't understand. Which is, whatever your beliefs are and whatever the motivations are, none of it matters unless you heavily socialize it. And we, we say socialize it, what we mean is have people interact with it every day as many times as possible. And not just internally, but externally. So you know, we, we mentioned Zappos earlier, if you think about you know, their core values, one of them is delivering wow. Right? So delivering WOW is all about customer experience, and the customers know it. So the customers have an expectation before they interact with a, with an employee, and so the employees hold them, hold themselves to a higher standard because they know what the expectation is. So all culture, every bit of culture, is, hinges on the socialization of these ideas, and if you don't socialize it, nothing happens, right? So so the key question then becomes, how do you socialize, right? Because it's not just an email. It's not just a a uh, you know uh, um, maybe a, a video or you know or something that, that that a CEO might do once in a while. It has to embed itself in the daily lives of, of employees and, and and hopefully customers as well. Uh, it's,
0: you know, does that it's, make sense, John? Yeah, it really does. And you know, it's one of the things that I see as kind of a missed opportunity. that we all have is that we kind of let things happen and you know some of us focus on profitability some of us focus on you know great client experience generating that profitability some work on our team and you know we saw that sweet spot earlier on of the best companies and then you really you know I always think of a vision, but having that compelling, you know, process, you know, going back to your example, let me just pull it up here, you know, your formulas, what we have, you know, the the F, FMS, the future motivational state. I mean, something that is inspiring, you know, I think of Elon Musk, uh, you know, with the uh, Mars, you know, the electric car and, you know, we go on and on and, and creating those beliefs and then having you know, really a part of the social fabric that they want to accomplish this and you know, you show that star the ideal and and this is where it really to me gets very exciting and you know most of us aren't thinking through it and this is so important because you know, i'm gonna pull up the cultural brand map that you gave us uh jason because you know there's when we look at the intersection of how many different things it affects as we're you know getting our messages out and you know really internally as well it's huge i mean you know, uh, you know. Why don't you touch on this as well? Because this—I mean, this is a big one. And you know, I look at it and I go, "This is a lot of work."
1: Yeah, it, and it, and it is a lot of work. And 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 we don't suggest that for any entrepreneur that that you you even have the capacity to to execute on this whole this whole um, this whole this whole brand this whole map. But the the idea is, and if we think we, you know. Yeah, everyone, in, in when they talk about culture, talks about Zappos, and, and so we generally don't like to, but they're, they're, they're just a, such a great execution of what culture can be, and I, you know, it's worth talking about. So if you look at this culture brand map, um, really w- what you think about is this idea of employment experience as brand. Right? So, really well defined, what do we believe in, what are we doing here, why do we do what we do, this whole rich sort of belief system around, around what it means to be here. People like us do things like this. And once you get that implemented and executed you know, broadly enough within your business, and it doesn't matter whether you've got five people or you know, 50,000 people, um, then, then what you're able to do is to view the world and what you do. Um, through that lens right and so you've got the beliefs that inform all those behaviors right which 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 has a direct impact on performance and so you, you've got people aligned around around the execution then the question is how to communicate it to the world and so you've got you, you've got these opportunities to then tell your story in a really unique way through blogs through through instagram through all the social media platforms which we all know you've got it through, you a lens through which you could look at doing social good now you don't have to you don't have to spend a ton of money but there's little things you can do that have impact locally or on in a, in a bigger scale um, you then have the ability to really uh, you know recruit employees who are you know who are aligned to to your to your beliefs, and I think that's one of the really interesting things about culture. Is because when you when you really articulate it well and it's really clear for people, you attract people who are aligned to it, and you repel people who aren't. And and one of our per- perspectives is it actually repelling the wrong people is more valuable than than attracting the right people, because we all know that some of our biggest time sums and some of our biggest problems are actually you know, caused by the having the wrong people in the organization. But then the question is, like, how do you tell the stories, because now you have a, ba- a basis for telling stories because you've got this belief system. So then you can do earned media, you can do you know all your PR publicity, embed it in your website. But The point is that, that through culture you can actually take care of a huge burden of marketing and execution in other areas of the business, it's got nothing to do with HR, it's got nothing to do with how people usually think about culture. It's a really powerful way to really drive and manage your business forward, and and, and really create a place that's differentiated the, from all your competitors. And and. You know, I always botch this quote, but uh, Tony Zappos always always talks about this idea of culture being one of the only things that your competitors can't steal or copy
0: from <laughs> you, yeah, right? And yeah, it's, it's really true. It really is. And, you know, one of the things, uh, Jason, I want to go to, and it's kind of a resource uh, that you do. And, you know, I've been in a number of, with a number of firms where you've really, you know, put this in play internally. And uh, I want to bring up uh, your website on culture wall because uh, this has been a wow. you know, you know, tell me what this is or tell our, uh, our fellow entrepreneurs what this is because, you know, most places don't have this and it's a missed opportunity or they got a poster or two, you know, type thing versus really well, something thoughtful. Okay. So, okay, so here, here's what happens. So, so,
1: so we, we. You know, one of uh, just to go back to B.J. Fogg at Stanford for a minute. One of his premises is this idea of how context shifts behavior, right? So context is 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 really the physical environment in which you're you're living or you're working, right? So so think about it in the most dramatic sense, um, you walk into an old cathedral in Europe, and um, you are surrounded with ideas that remind you of religion, of behavior, of you know, what there is to love, what there is to hate, what there's to fear, right? This 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 it is it doesn't matter whether you're a religious person or not, you 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 have to feel something, right? And so 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 what is that all about, right? That that's clearly about beliefs. And if you think about it, if you borrow a few things from that, you say, look if you're creating a belief system for your business or for your organization it doesn't matter because we do a lot of work in higher ed and do a lot of uh, do do a lot of executions around beliefs in in say career centers and places like that and healthcare um, but but once you're able to to articulate it and and you visualize it then what you're what you have is is a you know a an ability to connect people you know on a regular basis to the work we talked about socialization earlier right so the idea is that 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 the way you get to socialize ideas is through language and through visual tools. You know, we, we call it social objects, some people call it cultural artifacts, but the idea is that you can, you know, you can visualize a set of beliefs that then inform people's behavior. So what we do is we turn these into these little twelve inch square pieces of artwork that live on a wall in a place, it's usually 20 or 30 of them, sometimes people go crazy through 40 or 50, but basically the idea is each one represents one of those beliefs that, that really drive your organization, and then they live in a place and they, then you have a way of having those conversations where you can have group meetings around it, you get actually digital versions of, of, the, of those pieces so that you can put it into on screens or onboarding materials or you know spread it through through social media. But what you then have is a system through which you can then spread your ideas, connect with customers, connect people internally, and 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 it's it's all in a nice, neat, tight package where where it gives you a a way of having these conversations and spreading these ideas, ideas, which ordinarily is is actually super hard to do. So we call call it culture walls, but what it it is, is really a management tool to help you spread the beliefs that drive your business.
0: Well, and Jason, let me, you know, one of the things, I'm going to pull up your website. I'm going to go down a bit and you have one with uh, the best side of Joe Polish, his back here. Uh, let's see. Yep, I got it there, And But, you know, this is, he's got a cultural wall in his office that's pretty amazing. And one of the things I love about it is he he does a lot of his filming with uh, speakers up against that wall. And, and there isn't a day that everyone in their organization isn't looking at this. And it really, you know, and it's it's personalized to his messages, that really the whole team's, or, you know, not only on their culture, and it's kind of that um, magic of entrepreneurs, who you know, nailing a great client experience, what that is to them. Also, you know, really developing some uh, great, great value to the uh, consumers the teammates and then obviously profitable and just i might just flip through here real quick but you know you know the headlines i'd encourage people to read this you know however you do it this is something that i think you know just makes such a difference is you know putting together you know what makes a difference for the team. It's, it's a big part of that socialization. It's a reminder. It comes together well. Um, J- Jason, how, you know, let's go to resources. So I'm going to kind of tell me a little bit about if somebody wanted to follow up with you and you know, work with you on the, the cultural side, you know, how, how would they do that? So,
1: well, you can just reach me at jason at Gapingboy.com. Um, at gapingboy.com. But, um, but we, we do, um, you know, everything from sort of small, sort of cultural projects to large-scale change projects. I mean, typically, most of our clients are... Companies like like Microsoft, I mentioned Zappos earlier. We've done a ton of work at companies like Rackspace down in San Antonio over the years, AT and T. Um, so we, while we're not a large consultancy, most of our clients um, tend to be enterprise. But, but very often, more and more often, more and more often lately, sort of mid-market firms are coming to us and saying, "Can you help us? You know, kind of you know design our culture?" And I think one of the things that differentiates what we do is this idea that. That um, we're very clear that that culture is designable, and there's a process around execution, right? And and we always start, you know, at the beginning, which is understanding what the current state is, and then overlaying it through our frameworks, and and really getting insights as to what needs to shift to get, get an organization more functional. So we do that. We get, we run assessments um, that are relatively low cost, and then and then you know and then ex- execute based upon you know the needs of the organization. But our approach always is get in, create the tools, create the systems, make sure train people so that they understand how to do it, and then we let them get to it. And, and we're always around to help. But we 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 are very sort of um, aligned to getting in, getting work delivered, and getting you know, and and getting out right. So so it's so so it's all about building tools that make this sustainable. So so if somebody just wants to do a culture wall, um, for example. We do a little facilitation, usually it's virtual, we then create language, we then visualize it and deliver it, and that can be done as quickly as a month. You know. And, and it's, it's worth pointing out on that the web that you were that you were showing earlier, yeah, you can see a uh, culture wall that, that we did uh, for Amazon, but also you know one, you know we do a lot of work in higher education one is uh, for Babson College yeah, that one right there was for Babson College and so the woman uh, Susan Brennan who's pictured there is the head of uh, career services and she's just actually left to go to MIT Sloan uh, where we were I think uh, we'll be doing a project there and 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 you know her whole thing was you know how do I align students and employers and, and parents and all these other people who around what we believe in and, and, you know, we delivered that, that wall last year and she, she called me towards, the, to, well, it was in January this year. She said the best thing she did all last year was the wall because it's helping her have conversations that she would never otherwise be able to have with, with all of our stakeholders. And it, that's the sort of power that we give people just to, to be able to have, you know, to really spread ideas around what's meaningful, um, which is ordinarily pretty hard to do.
0: No, it really is. Well, let me go over kind of key takeaways that I'm walking away with. Uh, and it's it's very clear that you know culture matters number one you know you know we we tell a whole bunch of disasters we tell a whole bunch of success stories we all know that as fellow entrepreneurs second is we've got to have a model i really do like the model that jason shared with us you know again you can go uh, to aesnation.com we'll have show notes on everything all the links that we talked about um recognize that you know there there is a process we can use to once we get clear on what is our culture how we can bring it out and just uh, really go through let me just I'm gonna flash that slide real quick again and you know this is the uh, uh, cultural brand map and we just have so much of you know, building on our own employee experience as a brand beliefs performance and then getting it out there the power and, and what I really like that Uh, Jason made a very clear point is, you know, one of the things in fast-growing businesses like yours, like mine, Jason's, you know, we need really good talent and one of the best ways of having talent is having a clear culture that excites them about working with us. And then I love, I've seen uh, in place these walls and just, you know, the inspiring action it does. So, Jason, thank you again for spending the the great time and sharing with us exactly how companies can make a huge difference. I'd go to our website, AESNation.com, look at the show notes. We'll have the ability for you to see each of these steps. And most importantly, your teammates, your clients, your future clients are counting on you. Go implement. We wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable Breakthrough AESNation.com